We often talk about the heart as a house. There are four main rooms or chambers, and each chamber has a door connecting the next room or chamber. Now, the main chamber that is responsible for pumping oxygen-rich blood to the rest of the body is the left ventricle. And the door that allows the left ventricle to do so is called the aortic valve. Now, you want a door that opens and closes easily and completely. But what if you had an old, creaky, wooden door that was so heavy that it took all your strength to open? And what if that doorway was really small? As you can imagine, it would be a very tight squeeze. Now, what if the left ventricle had to push against that door with every single heartbeat? Today, our patient has aortic stenosis, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is titled The Tight Valve. Now, because aortic stenosis is a lengthy topic, we've divided this podcast into two parts. In the first part of this series, we'll talk about the physiology and pathophysiology of aortic stenosis, as well as the natural history and presenting history of a patient with aortic stenosis. In the second part, we'll talk about the physical exam, workup, and the management of aortic stenosis. All right, now, time for a minute physiology. It is important to first understand the basic principles of the left ventricle before we move forward. In order to do this, we need to think about three separate pressures. The left ventricular diastolic pressure, the left ventricular systolic pressure, and the aortic systolic pressure. You can think about these pressures linearly. The end diastolic pressure occurs at the end of diastole, when the mitral valve is opened and the left ventricle fills up with blood from the left atrium. During systole, the mitral valve closes and the left ventricle starts to contract. The aortic valve opens only when the left ventricular systolic pressure is equal to the aortic systolic pressure. In normal physiology, with a normal aortic valve, the systolic pressure in the left ventricle and the aorta is the same. When we think about the pathophysiology of aortic stenosis, we need to think about aortic stenosis as a fixed obstruction at the level of the aortic valve. What this means is that the aortic valve cannot open or close as easily, and the area through which the blood flows is smaller than usual. Because of this, the left ventricle has to work harder to push blood through the aortic valve, generating a pressure gradient between the left ventricle and the aorta. Over time, this results in concentric hypertrophy of the left ventricle, the tight valve also means that it takes longer for the left ventricle to eject blood. The already thickened myocardium therefore has to work harder and longer in order to eject blood from the left ventricle, which ultimately results in more oxygen consumption by the myocardium. As a consequence to both of these physiologic changes, the myocardium doesn't relax as well. Over time, patients can develop decreased compliance of the left ventricle and develop diastolic dysfunction. Now that we've talked about the aortic valve and the left ventricle, the last thing we need to think about is coronary artery blood supply. First, we know that the coronary arteries are perfused during systemic diastole. To calculate coronary artery perfusion pressure, we take the driving systemic diastolic pressure and subtract the end diastolic pressure of the left ventricle. You can think of these two pressures as opposing forces. The systemic diastolic pressure pushes blood into the coronaries and the left ventricular end diastolic pressure pushes against it. 
Now, in patients who have aortic stenosis and diastolic dysfunction, the left ventricular end diastolic pressure is elevated. So, if the left ventricular end diastolic pressure is higher, this means that the perfusion pressure in the coronaries is lower, resulting in decreased coronary perfusion and oxygen blood supply to the already thickened myocardium. This results in global ischemia, even in the absence of significant coronary artery disease. So, just to recap, aortic stenosis increases the pressure gradient between the left ventricle and the aorta, which can cause diastolic dysfunction as well as concentric hypertrophy. Over time, this increases the myocardium's oxygen demands while decreasing coronary perfusion and oxygen supply. Because of this, over time, severe aortic stenosis can result in left ventricular failure. about the basic physiology and pathophysiology, let's talk about the approach to a patient with aortic stenosis. The first thing to think about is, what causes aortic stenosis? Aortic stenosis is the most common valvular heart disease and is more frequently seen in men and those with cardiac risk factors or metabolic syndrome. In patients above the age of 70, aortic stenosis is a result of calcification of the aortic valve, which most commonly is of idiopathic etiology. Calcification can also result from Paget's disease or chronic renal failure. Under the age of 70, you should start to think about congenital or systemic illness as an etiology. For instance, a congenital bicuspid valve is a common cause of aortic stenosis. Other causes include inflammatory or infectious causes, such as endocarditis, rheumatic fever, rheumatoid arthritis, or lupus. On history, patients with aortic stenosis complain of three main symptoms. These symptoms are typically sequential in nature and are important to elicit as they confer prognostic information. First, patients with aortic stenosis complain of exertional angina. As their disease progresses, they complain of syncope or presyncope, particularly during exertion. Lastly, patients may complain of frank heart failure symptoms, such as worsening dyspnea on exertion, orthopnea, PND, and leg edema. These three classic symptoms have a mortality rate associated with them in the absence of valve intervention. Patients who have aortic stenosis and complain of angina will have a 50% mortality rate in five years. Patients who have symptoms of syncope or presyncope will have a 50% mortality rate in three years. And patients who have symptoms of left ventricular dysfunction or heart failure will have a 50% mortality rate in two years. The risk of sudden cardiac death and severe aortic stenosis is approximately 1% per year. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Type Valve on Aortic Stenosis. Today's episode is written by Dr. Nikita Malhotra, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Matthew Sibald, cardiologist, Dr. J.D. Schwalm, cardiologist, and Dr. John Neary, general internist. Remember to tune into next week's episode for part two of The Type Valve on Aortic Stenosis. This episode was recorded and produced by Allison Lai. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai and managed by Zara Morali and Leah Kirianopoulos and is overseen by Dr. Daniel Brandt-Vegas. Music production by Lakshman Vizantha Mohan. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe at wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Internet Work, and please tune in again soon.